All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 127 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger alongside uh, Frank Saravalli in the midst of the 2022 uh, NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. And uh, four series have played four games and every one of them is tied to a piece despite lots of the games being absolute blowouts. It's amazing that these series are so close from one game to the next, Frank. I don't know what the hell's going on, but it's uh, we, we've only had two overtime games thus far. Um, last year, we had 10 after 28 games. Um, there, there's 19 games out of the 28 that have been decided by three or more. Now, I know empty net goals play a little bit of that. They take two goal leads to three goal leads, but are, are you surprised at how, like, look at the, you know, Edmonton, LA, the orders blow them out twice. LA blows them out again in, in game three, Toronto, Tampa, one team seems to win by three, every game. It's crazy. I think there's, I'd have to double check my math. I think there's only been three, one goal games to this point. Yeah. Four, From, four. It's, yeah. I mean, that that's a mind blowing number for the first round, which is usually so closely contested. And the funny thing is when you think about, you know, all these blowouts is you would think that if someone had told you three weeks ago that there would be this many lopsided games, that it would be all the chalk winning, that it would be the Panthers blowing the doors off the Washington capitals, the flames crushing the Dallas stars, um, you know, pick a series, pick a lopsided winner. I, I don't know that we would have seen it play out the way that it has the first round, you know, expect the unexpected every time, but 
we we knew there was no, or we at least thought and had a premise that there was no momentum game to game, Jason. And I think this first round has proven that to be the case. Oh, lots of people thought that Boston Bruins were dead in the water. After I did. Down Raise my two hand. nothing in Carolina. They're without uh, uh, Lindholm. Then they lose McAvoy just before the start of uh, game four to COVID. And, uh, you know, Brad Marchand comes up with a five-point game. You know, the weekend for the Boston Bruins is completely all of a sudden you're like, now you're like, geez, are the Bruins a favor? Like, what's going on in that series? It's been, a, it's a, it's the only Homer series thus far, but it was a huge weekend for Boston. Yeah, it was. And um, really when I look at it, the Hurricanes have shot themselves in the foot. You know, they had an opportunity here to stomp on the Bruins and their parade to the penalty box Yep. is really what cost them. Um, they've actually dominated this series. Carolina has at even strength and it's been the Bruins that have gotten such a big boost from their power play. And, you know, I don't know that there's been a bigger turning point in any first round series to this point, other than Bruce Cassidy going back to the perfection line. You look at game one, five minutes played together, game two, nine minutes, Game three is where the magic happened. They were together 14 minutes, almost 18 minutes together in game four. It's steadily increased. And with that has increased the production. You mentioned Marchand five point game on Sunday. Uh, They've produced eight goals now in the last three games that line together after being blanked on the score sheet in game one, Pasternak looked incredibly frustrated in game two. You put him back with Marchand and Bergeron and all of a sudden the Bruins look like a different team. Oh, completely different team. And you know what? Now we'll see how uh, Carolina balances back in the, in game five. Now, home teams, uh, it, when the series is tied at two apiece, Frank, historically, there's uh, you look at home teams are 163 to 114 to win the series. So you know, Carolina, Minnesota, Edmonton, and, um, and Toronto are all still, technically, if you look at history, in the driver's seat in their series, but something tells me that at least one of those teams isn't going to win, um, you know, their seven game series. One of the th- four road teams, I would think at least is going to going to pick up a win in the series now. Yeah. You're only in the driver's seat if you win game five. I mean, that's the truth. So, um, you know, so many of these series have been hard to handicap and I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure which one's the biggest surprise. Um, but I mean, let's, let's go to the Toronto series and dive in. I mean, you look at, I, I, I couldn't help but think watching game four, what Brendan Shanahan said last year, as the Leafs were packing up their bags yet again, after a fifth straight first round loss. And he said, we need killers, mm-hmm. killer instinct. And the Leafs, I think we all wondered then, do they have any? Who, who are the Leafs killers? And you have an opportunity to step on the throats of the two-time defending cup champs, go up three to one, which even if you're a Leaf fan, still doesn't make you feel comfortable, but go up three to one and put them on the ropes and you come out and you lay an egg like that and it's basically five nothing in the first 25 minutes for your team. Yeah, yeah that was not good. 
That was not a good start for uh, for Toronto. And, uh, you know, they, they, they made a little bit of a game of it. But, you know, when you're pulling your goalie with six minutes left, <laughs> you know, obviously you're not close. And, you know, they scored that one late one. And some people are telling me, yeah, it was only a 5-3 game without empty netters. I'm like, okay, you're trying to dream, well, I think, if that's what you're trying to tell yourself. But uh, that, either that's way. That's been the story in a lot of these blowouts in that series. Actually, a couple, the other team has gotten a few late goals to make it somewhat interesting. Yes. And so that brings us to Jack Campbell. You mentioned the goal goalie pull. Can the Leafs win with Jack Campbell? I thought the comments from John Cooper earlier in the series were really interesting. You know, he had the shutout in game one and then you look at game three and Jack Campbell really soup saved the Leafs bacon. If you think about it in game three with how the saves that he made, especially down the stretch, but overall for the series, he has an 889 save percentage. And as John Cooper rightly pointed out, his goals against average in this series is 3.5. If we're going to be scoring three and a half goals against him per game, we'll take that every single time. So uh, he's obviously a big believer in Andre Vasilevsky, who is now 16 and 0 following a loss over the last three playoffs and has a 953 save percentage, which is bananas. Um, can the Leafs win with Jack Campbell? Here's some fun numbers for you, Frank, though. Through four games, Jack Campbell has an 889 save percentage and Vasilevsky has an 888. He's been unreal in games two and four, has Vasilevsky, and he's really stunk in games one and three. So it's uh, I, I would still, if I'm betting on, on who's been more consistent in their career, it's Vasilevsky. But I think Tampa... Um, you know, John Cooper talked about it before game four, like, hey, I'm not worried about how we can score. We got to defend better. And, and they definitely did that uh, early in that game. Toronto, of course, uh, you know, scored some goals uh, midway through the second and then uh, late in the third. But I still look at Tampa Bay's defense of game, and I include the goalie and their defenseman in games one and three. Like, they've been completely Jekyll and Hyde. Like, they've they've looked like a subpar defensive team in games one and three. Like, it's amazing because you're right. Vasilevsky's numbers in games two and four, like, it's crazy. The You know, just the Jekyll and Hyde from – Arguably the best goalie in the NHL, but from both teams, yeah, you know, both teams defending. I mean, you know, I think the important signs for Tampa, um, Steven Stamko scoring right away to open game four, um, you know, the way that Victor Hedman bounced back in game two that we talked about, um, you know, I just feel like in some ways we've seen this story before from the Leafs and it's hasn't really worked out too well. Yeah, no, that's fair. To eventually, you've got to show that you can play like that shutdown game, right? And we'll see if uh, if they can do that. But uh, just Tampa one hit, time, all yeah. you needed it was one time, game mm-hmm. four, and and I, you know, the entire conversation, complexion, you know, not to say you're guaranteed to win the series, but you go up three one, and you've only got to win one out of the next three. Man, you've put your team in a great spot. And now, you know, e- even if you can get a win in game five, what you're looking at is that same stat I just showed, uh, we just talked about 16 and 0 following a loss. Like y- at some point, you've probably got to win two straight against the Lightning, and that's going to be hard to do. Yeah, let's uh, let's get to the other two uh, uh, series in the East. Uh, you mentioned Florida, Washington, and you talked about how Boston's power play has been crushing. How about the Florida Panthers? They don't have a power play goal nope. 
through three games. Like, this is a team that was number one in offense in the NHL in the regular season, and Washington ha- has really shut down the uh, the offensive attack. I-, I know it's only three games, but the Florida Panthers, they were winning as-, as a team in the regular season. Their offense was the main reason. Their defense was decent, but their main reason was their offense. And, uh, and here we are, we sit in and out of the playoff teams, they're 12th, are averaging 2.67 goals per game. Not even close. The Capitals are, you know, outscoring them by a full goal a game on average. Like the Panthers, big guns and their power play has got to wake up. How about, uh, you want to talk about the Florida Panthers defending? Can we talk about Ben Sherratt and his 15 minutes of ice time per game? That's a little surprising to me. That's a little, that seems like a trade that hasn't exactly worked out and they paid an absolute ton to get him. Yeah. Well, it's one where you, I got to, to me how he performed. And I watched the floor. It's not like I don't, well, I got to dive deeper into his numbers. Maybe he's playing more uh, worse than I think, but uh, it does seem a little odd to me. Uh, just dash two in game three, uh, 14 minutes and change uh, averaging 15, 25 for the series. Uh, I think it's at least fair to point it out, but you, you've heard Andrew Brunette talk after these games about how the Panthers aren't, they're not skating. Yes. Is it really the speed factor or is it their lack of defensive play? That's their issue. Or are they getting pushed around by the caps? Well, I, they don't look quick to pucks in the, in the, now granted, I haven't watched every moment of every game, Frank, but, uh, to me, th- that seems to be the, uh, you know, a little bit bigger of an issue um, for me right now is, and I look at it, um, you know, Ben Sherratt's been on for two goals in 43 minutes of, of five on five. You know, Aaron Ekblad, two goals, uh, Uyghur and Montour, each three. Forsling and Gudis haven't been on for any, and uh, and they've actually, like, the, the defense five on five in Florida is is fairly even minutes played anywhere from 43 to 49. So they've actually been playing three pairs um, five on five. And, uh, Still but, a lot to pay for a third pair guy in Toronto. Nope. Yeah, totally fair, right? Totally. Although, yeah, like he's – it's interesting. Like there's no – even Aaron Ekblad in his three games uh, has played basically the same amount of minutes, five on five, as Ben Sherratt. So we've talked a lot about the Panthers. I wanted to at least give a little bit of love for the Caps because I think, one, they've made life absolutely miserable for the Cats. And two – I think their style of play and their system, the way that they've played in this series has frustrated the heck out of, of Florida. And you look at the way they've set up in this one, three, one, it's killed all of Florida's neutral zone speed. So they've really had a tough time generating anything through the neutral zone, which you look at a lot of their stuff off the rush. It's been neutralized in a lot of ways because they just aren't able to generate it. So, um, you know, Florida's going to have to come up with a solution and they're going to have to come up with it fast because if they lose game three in Washington on Monday yeah. night, I, I, I think it's say good night. Yeah, no, it's not good. Um, the, the big, th- the area where they're not using Sherrod, Frank, is on the penalty kill, right? The Ekblad, Forsling, Weger, and Gudis are their four penalty killers. And I guess that's okay. But because their five on five minutes are pretty even across. Like if, if there's a six minute difference in three games, that's basically two minutes a game for your top tier third pair. They're playing pretty even three pairs, but he doesn't play the power play, which we didn't expect. But he's not playing on the penalty kill. And that's basically where, you know, uh, you look at Weger and Forsling and Ekblad and all of them, that's where they're playing eight more minutes combined. Right. Yeah, so Weger has been very average in this series too. Yeah. So I think Florida uh, defensively, they got to go, but 
You are winning all season long with potent offense. You got to figure, especially Frank, when every other team is scoring more in the playoffs. Like it's not like this is other than the Dallas Calgary series. And we'll get to that after uh, fill in the blanks. But um, I look at, at Florida's, I look more at their offensive guys to say, you got to get going here. You don't have a power play goal. Like Jonathan Huberdo, Giroux, Barkoff, go down the list. They've got enough offense. They should not be 12th in the playoffs and goals for. I thought it was really telling on Saturday that they, Andrew Brunette made the change to the power play because you think about how that team was cooking heading into the series and all of a sudden you take Aaron Ekblad, who hasn't played in weeks, and you throw him back on the first unit power play and all of a sudden things are kind of jumbled a bit. You know, not everyone really knows where to go. They don't have the same chemistry. Aaron Ekblad really didn't play since they acquired Claude Giroux, who was on that top unit. So all of a sudden they change it around. They take Ekblad off, put him on the second unit, and they kind of go back to normal. And they got, I think, some better looks as game three went on. But interesting that, you know, I think we always believe, and and probably for good reason, that getting one of your top players back is a positive, but in this case, the way that it's maybe thrown off Florida in terms of how they approach their power play has probably been a bit of a negative. Yeah, that's fair. And and the other thing is they probably got to play better offensively five on five to generate power plays. Like uh, only the Rangers have fewer, fewer power plays per game thus far at uh, at 2.67. You know, the Panthers and Penguins each have had uh, three per game. It's funny, Frank, if you look at the series, New York, Pittsburgh, Florida, Washington, Calgary, Dallas, those, uh, those, and even the, the Avs, uh, Preds, the four series that go tonight, those four series have all averaged the fewest amount of, uh, of, uh, power plays per game. It's other than the Kings. It's, uh, like Colorado, obviously they get their power play and they kill it. But those other teams, it's almost like the officiating in, in some series, there's lots of calls. And then in other series, it's like, okay, neither team's doing anything. So we're letting it go both ways. It's, it's interesting to see how certain series, are having way more power plays and not like one team, just certain series like Florida, Washington. There've only been total of 21 power plays. Tampa Bay in itself has 24. Yeah. I, I don't have an explanation or any reasoning for that other than maybe that the play is dictating it. Yeah. Play dictates it. I also think that, um, you know, you set a standard and the refs are like, Hey, I'm calling this and both teams keep doing it. Um, like some teams haven't been that disciplined in the playoffs. And I think Florida is a team, they had the fifth best power play all year long. And I know some people suggest that power play special teams don't matter in the playoffs. I've argued that for the longest time. And Florida, what, your power play gives you so much confidence. You know, Adam Oates, we had him, he talked about cookies. And the offensive guys, Frank, they get their touches on the power play. It makes them feel better when they're scoring. And, and I think the, the offer for Florida's offense on the power play, if they can just get one power play goal early, tonight that might be a big difference now let's go to the so wait before we move on on a scale of one to ten your level of concern for the panthers i would still only be maybe a maybe a five i think they win i can think they can win game four you look at how all the other series have gone right outside of colorado it's they're all being pretty even um you know we all thought these other teams could come back and and win and they were unable to so i I know that we're giving the caps enough credit no no washington's played well but um I just look at the way this playoffs has gone. I won't be surprised if we wake up Tuesday morning and we got seven series tied at two. 
And the eighth one is already over. <laughs> yeah, Daryl Sutter. Daryl Sutter could have been the uh, the ultimate prophet for sure. Now, the, the Rangers and the Penguins. Man, hey, there's another. A lot of us thought the, the Rangers were going to, maybe walk's a little too strong of a word, but kind of control the series. And it's been the exact opposite. Sidney Crosby's been unreal. And they've really gotten to Shesterkin in this series. Yeah, well, gotten him to the point where he's yanked from the game. Um, and then... I don't know if there was any sort of surprise. Obviously, they were going back to Shesterkin for uh, for game four. So, you know, no real shock there. But what's interesting is on the other side of the series, you know, the the Penguins have sort of been holding on for dear life with Louis Domingue in net. And now they're getting pretty close to getting Tristan Jari back. You saw him skate uh, before game three. And my sense is he's probably available for like game five or six, you know, depending on how long this goes, he's, he's getting very close. He's really been pushing the envelope in terms of working his way back. Yeah. Well, that, that is an amazing story. What's happened for, uh, for the penguins. And the fact that when you're, when you're on your number three goalie and you're still leading two to one, like that's, that, that's a team effort completely. And I, I know that the Rangers, you know, they, they've scored, you know, it's not like they haven't scored in that game, uh, in that series. Like that's a, they've been completely I, underwhelming though. Yeah. It's been the highest scoring series. Has it not? I think on goals per game, I'm pretty sure it is because yeah, both of them, just, both of them I, are over four goals a game. So like I, I look at, we talked the other day about how playoff experience really is a big difference maker in this series alone, you look at some of the younger guys. I particularly look at the Rangers and their back end and, and how young they are, the lack of experience. And I take a game like Saturday and I say, okay, you're down 4 1. You claw your way all the way back to 4 4. You have to find some way on the road in the third period to get the next goal. You get the next goal, you win the game. And they just. I don't know if they ran out of gas or whatever it was, but they fought all the way back to then not have that killer instinct to come out and get the next goal is, you know, that's where a team like the Penguins, they're not going to blink with Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang and whoever else. They've all been there. They're like, that's not going to phase them blowing a three goal lead on home ice. Yeah, no, it doesn't. And the, the other thing that's about this series is sometimes when you look at stats, they don't really add up. Shesterkin still has a 928 save percentage in the series. Because of the triple overtime game. Yeah, no, no, that's fair. But you look at, um, at Louis Domingue, like if your goalie normally, Frank, just hovers around 900, your odds of winning aren't great in the playoffs. But like this year, we, you know, I mentioned, look at the Toronto-Tampa. We could have a series where both goalies have a sub-900 save percentage. We haven't had that in like decades. It's honestly, I love it. It's it's not so much. And it's not the goal decade. Tennis. 2012, yeah. the Flyers-Penguins definitely. Flyers-Penguins? Okay. Oh, yeah. Both guys were well. This, I think one of them was in the sevens. Come on. For the whole Seriously, series? It was insane. that They were like 830 to 850, like between okay. – Mark Andre Fleury and uh, and the the trio that was in net for the Flyers okay. felt, felt like a trio. Well, either way, to me, I like the fact that not every game is a two one game uh, in the playoffs. It's uh, you know what? Now I know that empty nets add a little bit, so that's why I was going for save percentage for certain teams because empty nets obviously aren't included in the goaltending markers. But um, this has been a series. This has been a playoffs thus far where it hasn't been whoever has the best goalie wins. And I kind of like that change. That might change in, in rounds two, three, and four. Mm -hmm. 
You you take out the triple overtime game. It's just Thurkin has an eight ninety three in the other two. Yeah, so it's pretty heavily weighted or skewed toward that. Yeah, but triple overtime was almost like two games apiece, right? So there's two games and then the other two. So he's kind of been really good in two games and then subpar in two games. Kind of like Vasilevsky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it's uh, the Rangers have been very underwhelming. I thought we, I was expecting, and I know a lot of people said this heading in that the Rangers, when it comes to playoff time, their game is not going to properly translate. I didn't necessarily believe it because I thought that Shesterkin would obviously be a little bit better. I thought they'd get a boost from some of their scoring, which they really haven't. Like you haven't seen a game where Zabanajad takes over and Panarin takes over and you get, you know, a spree of goals from Chris Kreider. That really hasn't happened. Um, I, that series is definitely perplexing. I, I you know, it's good. This is going to be an enormous test for the Rangers in game four. If you can go back to, to the garden on at level ground, I think you've got a real good chance to win the series. Uh, obviously saying something, if not, uh, you're in big trouble. Now uh, let's bring in uh, Liam for uh, fill in the blanks as uh, Tyler is, uh, I think he's on an early flight out of uh, LA today. Uh, Liam, how you doing? Doing good. Yeah. Back to fill in for Tyler for another week, still in LA. So uh, fill in the blanks is presented by, DoorDash, ding dong. Use promo code RUNDOWNDD for 25% off your first order and no delivery fees. I felt a little bit more pressure doing it this time than I did last time. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The first question. One word to describe the Capitals leading the Panthers two to one. Uh, Frank, we'll start with you. Disappointing. I, I will say experience. I think I think Washington's playoff experience here has shown. Mm-hmm. Okay, second one. Are the teams down two to one that are playing tonight? Blank has the best chance of coming back in the series. Jason, we'll go to you this time. I still think the Panthers. I'm going to go Florida. I'm going to say the Rangers. Um, it's been an odd series, but I think the Penguins are still ripe for the picking. Okay. Third one. The individual player who you've been the most impressed by so far in the first round is blank. Frank? That's a tough one. There's been a lot of good or strong individual performances. I'd probably say Joe Pavelski. He has as many goals through the first three games as the entire Calgary Flames team. He's been an ageless wonder at 37 and is a guy that, you know, has dragged that Dallas team into the fight all season long. Jeez. I was going to, I'm sticking in that series. I'm saying Jake Ottinger. Like Jake Ottinger has been fantastic uh, for the Dallas Stars. Uh, he's number one in save percentage amongst the starting goalies. And uh, I'll throw a, a second shout out to uh, to Mike Smith. I know he had one stick handling gaffe, but if you look at his play when it's actually making saves when he's in the net, he's been good. But Jake Ottinger has been uh, has been outstanding uh, for the Dallas Stars. Better than I expected. Jason, I got a feeling I know the answer for your ne- for the next question, so I'll just go straight to you. The best goaltender so far in the first round has been blank. Well, Smith's faced way more shots, man. Like it's a shooting gallery. Granted, some of those are uh, are low percentage, but I'll just p- split a tie between him and Ottinger. Okay. Mm. 
It's funny how many goaltending changes there have been. <laughs> um, like Huso was yanked in favor of Bennington. The Capitals have flip-flop goalies. Yeah, the Penguins are on their second one, who's technically their third. The Rangers have pulled Shesterkin. Ranta has also exited. Campbell's been yanked. Campbell's been yanked. The Bruins switched Coley's. Uh, huh. Pretty, Jacob Markstrom's actually been pretty good. I know they're down in the series, but it is not Jacob Markstrom's fault. Well, I I, I thought he made a really bad gaffe in the, the last game, kind of definitely the one goal for sure. But um, He has a 942 save percentage in three games. Yep. So 65 out of 69. That's who I'm taking. In a, in a playoffs where there's been so many goaltending changes, I don't know. Who are you going to – like, who Who are you honestly hanging your hat on? It could be Darcy Kemper, but, I mean, it's not – they haven't won because of him. Yeah. Markstrom's only faced 69 shots in three games. What, what – that – he can only control what he can control. He stopped yeah. 65 of them. Like, you've given up four goals in three games. Uh, I think you're doing pretty good. Okay, last one, the points bet question. So points bet is now live in Ontario. So if you're in Ontario, go check that out. Uh, the Panthers are minus 135 and the Penguins are minus 165. Who are you more confident in to go back and win the series? Frank, we'll go to you first. Mm. Probably take the Penguins and spot myself with that two to one series lead. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, well, yeah. And, I mean, uh, I know I'm going back on what I just said about the Rangers having a chance to come back, but if you're giving me the odds and you're telling me to look at it and you're saying Panthers down 2-1 or Penguins up 2-1, I'm taking the, the team with the lead. Yeah, the Penguins are halfway there. If you're looking at it from a purely uh, wagering standpoint, it's kind of a no-brainer. you got better odds and they're already halfway to it. So, yeah, I would go with the Penguins too. All right, that's a wrap on uh, Fill in the Blank presented by DoorDash. Ding dong. All right. Thanks, Liam. Um, now, <laughs> let's uh, stick in the West, Frank. Um, well, I, I guess, is it over tonight? Let's start there. Colorado, Nashville. Does, does Nashville find a way to extend this to five and, and get Colorado another home gate? Or is it over? Do, do they want to? <laughs> that's, that's my real question. Do you really want to get on a plane and fly to Denver? For what? You're never going to believe it's over. I always have to believe. I don't think they were believing from game one. That could just be me. The way they had their doors blown off, I think they went into it knowing they were losing. But that's yeah. just me. Yeah, Colorado just, you know what? Uh, they swept, didn't they sweep St. Louis last year in four blowouts? Uh, I think we see the same thing again uh, this year. But now we move to the Flames and the uh, Stars where it is, it's being goaltending, but not because I think that like the goaltending has been good for sure, Frank, but my goodness, it's, it's not like uh, some of these other series where, you know, it's being tight defensively. The Dallas Stars have been like just sucked uh, the, the life out and Colorado and Calgary's not giving Dallas very much either. We talk about like, you look at the low percentage of shots, low percentage of quality chances. This is definitely being the, the one outlier of the playoffs so far. It's a very defensive minded series compared 
compared to all the rest, really not even close. And, you know, Calgary's right in it. Johnny Gaudreau has a breakaway to tie the game with three minutes left. And like Daryl, I, I talk about this all the time, Frank. To me, hey, if a goalie lets in a bad goal, everyone's, ah, that goal. And I'm like, well, you're a forward. Your job's to score. So when you have good chances, I don't think Calgary's top guns. Like the Gaudreau lines at least had a few assists. But the backland line, you might as well put them out on an APB offensively. Like they're non-existent. Yeah, I this series is a weird one. Was it you that was saying the other day or was it someone else? They said they saw a tweet from a stars fan. And it was like, we may not be good. We may not win, but we are going to make life miserable for you. <laughs> and I was like, have truer words ever been uh, written? Like, and that's the thing about a pretty heavy team and the stars uh, that really doesn't have a lot going. When you talk about their after their top line, their second, third, and fourth lines are more or less non-existent on the score sheet, but they've yeah. done a pretty good job wreaking havoc mm-hmm. and and playing with physicality. So, um, hard series to handicap because I, you know, that's what I keep coming back to is is the Flames and their top. Go- like you have two guys that have hundred point seasons this year in Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk, and They've both got two assists each. Yeah. Well, how about, Frank, this is Dallas. Now, Grant, they've scored more goals and some are empty there. But Dallas have at least have points from 12 players so far in the series. The Flames have points from six, right? Lindholm, Gaudreau, and Kachuk have all been in on the same goals, and they all have two points. And then the Lewis, uh, Lucic. One of them was on the power play, by the way. Yeah, Lewis, Lucic, and Zadorov. That's it. You know, Backlund, Toffoli, Coleman, Mangiapani, Dylan Dubé, Rasmus yeah. Anderson, who, is, who had a really good regular season offensively. Like, they're, they're MIA offensively. And we, you, you can credit Dallas's defense to a point, but this is the year of heightened offense. Offense reigns supreme in the, in the regular season, the most goals we've seen since 96. The playoffs have continued that. And the Flames were one of the best. I outlined it before the playoffs. They were, what, six best in the NHL in five-on-five five scoring. They outscored the Oilers this year. Yeah, they were four. six best in five-on-five five scoring. And they got nothing to show for it. Like, of all the top teams... I feel they've been the most underwhelming when you consider how they played in the regular season to how they play like offense. They were, they were solid defensively and they still had the Panthers said, hold my beer. By yeah, the he way. might be. Yeah. That's, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. But I mean, Calgary's the Florida right Panthers were like, uh, like we've talked about this, the highest scoring team in the salary cap era. They're down yeah. two to one. So um, the flames, I, I feel like it's a tired narrative though. Like at what point does it become so, a self-fulfilling prophecy when you look at their star players and their lack of contribution? Yeah. I mean, Probably. it's annoying talking about it, but when you look at it and, and they don't have the production, it doesn't, nothing else really matters. Does it? Well, Calgary though, their top guys were definitely very good, but they got balanced scoring. Like where's Mangiapane? Right, guys yeah. had 30 goals, right? Where where's Tyler Toffoli? This guy's historically been a, a, a really good consistent producer. Like their second line has nothing. Like not an empty net goal, not a, a lucky one. They got nothing. And so the top line only has one goal, five on five, right? As you alluded to. So that's still not good enough either. But to me, this has been a complete from top to bottom disappointment offensively for Calgary. And I wonder, Frank, how, you know, that that fan, you know, Daryl Sutter might have been the uh, 
the Oracle talking about Colorado. Well, that Dallas fan might be the Oracle talking about the stars, how they just make it miserable. And, you know, Calgary right now, they don't look like they have a ton of offensive confidence. And all it, t- all it might take is a goal or two, and that could change. But right now, they're just, they're not, they're not doing very much. And when they do get chances, Jake Ottinger stoning them. Okay. So let me ask you this level of concern one to 10, Calgary Flames. Uh, maybe a six. Honestly, I still think Calgary's a better team, right? And and I easily could see them winning game four and uh, and then they exhale and they go back because I, I I still think that, you know, when you play 82 games, like I guess maybe you can be like Tampa in 2019 and suddenly just everything goes wrong. But Calgary's also not injured, right? 2019 Tampa didn't have Hedman. And when the two games he did play, he was on one leg. Calgary's still healthy. Suspended. Yeah, like Calgary's still healthy. I still, I, like, I don't, I don't think Dallas is that good. They're playing very good right now, but that's a team that Calgary should be beating. And so I, I still, now they lose tonight, Frank. Then I think it's over. I don't, I don't think Calgary can come back three in a row. But uh, I tonight it's a big game. We we saw Tampa. We you know saw all these other teams last night. Everybody down two to one, evened it up. So I think Calgary should. They, they shouldn't be that concerned yet, as far as where you know they um, they're worried like they can't win the series. But I think they they've got to come out like the L.A. Kings did last night. The L.A. Kings so, completely dominated after getting blown out for two games. So it's a six now, but if they lose tonight, it's a ten. Yeah, by nine, I'll say nine point five. What about you? Where are you at? Yeah, I'm a little higher. I'm I'm like an eight right now. Okay. I don't want to be an alarmist, but I haven't seen any sign in the first three games to point to, to say this team, you know, some, you know, it's there, but they just haven't put it all together in one game or something like that. You know, I I feel a little bit different about um, like Toronto, for instance, you know, they've at least shown for two games in the series that they can do it. Yeah, that's fair. Flames haven't, they haven't done that. You know, even the first game winning one, nothing. I, I thought it was admirable how confident or comfortable they looked in such a tight game. But now I'm like, like it's almost like bordering on a little bit of malaise. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, no, it's, I'm sure I'll, I'll say this, Frank, I they bet need flame, the urgency. I, I, I'm guessing flame fans are probably siding with you uh, more than me and their level of angst uh, right now, for sure. Um, now we get to the uh, to the Oilers and the Kings, and it's been uh, an interesting series. Edmonton absolutely thrashes them in games two and three, and then L.A. comes back in game four and was clearly the more desperate team. Uh, from start to finish, they controlled that game. Uh, Jonathan Quick had one sequence late in the second period where he, he made a few saves, got lucky, one off the crossbar. We didn't even have his glove on, and they still couldn't score on him. But um, Edmonton, they... They kind of abandoned their physical play that it led them to dominating the, the games two and three, where their four check and physical play led to turnovers. They really pressured LA's defense and, you know, their offense fed off that. And last game, they just weren't as physical. And the other thing was, Frank, when they got a power play, they couldn't win a face off. They were one and eight. They won one out of eight face offs on the power play. And every time the Kings would win it, pfft, right down the ice, you're killing off 30 seconds. So uh, the orders are going to have to find a way to be better on the face-off. And that's, and that's mainly Drysaddle, uh, who's their center guy. But it's also the wingers. When you're, when you're outmanning them, you've got to find a way and just say, Drysaddle, you tie him up. We'll come on in here. we got an extra guy. And so uh, I'm, I still think Edmonton bounces back the way they've controlled much of this series. But uh, give L.A. a lot of credit, Frank, that they were a desperate team and they played like it in Game 4. Well, that's, that to me is the real knock against the Oilers is just like we talked about with the Leafs, where's your killer instinct? 
You have an opportunity to put your skate to the throat of the LA Kings and make quick work of them in this series. You could potentially win it in five on home ice, get yourself some rest and watch the Calgary flames and Dallas stars beat each other up in what could be a long series. And instead, guess what? The Edmonton Oilers aren't good enough to take their foot off the gas. They just aren't. Yeah, that's fair. And to think that you may not have another game where your goalie shoots himself in the foot again, or you have some other catastrophic error in a game where your team is in the driver's seat, think again, because it can happen. And, you know, when your team isn't good enough to take their foot off the gas and they do anyway, it's a lack of maturity is what I see. Um, you have your stars that have the ability to step up. You've outscored the opposition 14 to two in the previous two games, and you don't find a way to put anything on the scoreboard. Disappointing. Um, and I, I really think the Oilers may rue that missed opportunity to make this a short series. I think they're ultimately going to bounce back and win it. I don't think the Kings are strong enough. But to me, if you're looking further down the line yes. and there always needs to be learning lessons throughout the way on, on a deep run in the Stanley Cup playoffs, this was one of those warning signs to me that was like, okay, they may survive this series, but good luck pulling that off against a better team. It's not going to work. So uh, certainly some level of concern. And I really love the messaging from Todd McClellan heading into game four. He said, you know, you may look at the score sheet and it may say 14 to two in the last two games, but all that really matters is that it's two to one in the series and you win one game and you're back to level ground. The Kings were much, much better in game four. And I've actually been impressed for a Kings team that is mostly shorthanded, especially on their back end. They've really found a way to compete in the, you know, in the opening game and also in game four that this team has some jam. Oh yeah. hundred uh, percent. Um, you know, obviously uh, I look at, at Edmonton when, well, it's, it's being a, a front runner series, Frank, whoever scores first has actually gone up to nothing in every game. So, um, you know, first goal again, you look across the, the, the playoffs, what are teams scoring first or 24 and four? so far in the playoffs. So, hey, first goal matters a lot. If, uh, if you're watching tonight, uh, you know, you're a fan in any of those uh, four or eight markets that are playing. Uh, the first goal so far in this this postseason has been monumentally uh, important. And, uh, you know, in this in the Edmonton LA series, whoever scores first gets a 2 nothing lead in every game. So, um, and two goal deficits are hard to overcome at almost any point of, of a playoff series. So I, I look for Edmonton. You're right, Frank. I think that's a very valid point that, um, that wasted opportunity because what that does is even if they win in six, people say, well, it's only one game, but it's the extra travel, right? It's the extra travel back to Los Angeles. You could have won not the-, the easy way no. stopping in Washington, getting on a bus. Yeah. Well, it, it, that is that that's a grind. If yeah. you're a player that's used to taking a nonstop three hour flight to LA, that's, that's more than that. And it's not just that it's, it's the physical tear in that extra game as well. Cause what do you think the Kings in six games are going to go down easy? No, no, not at all. So that's, I think it was the San Jose sharks. Um, I can't remember what year they, they really felt like they wasted an opportunity in a series. Uh, they lost a game in overtime where they didn't play very well and extended the series an extra two games. And, you know, they felt like the, and, and it was a real physical. I want to say it was 2011 or 10. I can't remember what year, but anyway, they felt like looking back in those runs when they never won, 
that was one where they just said, man, the extra wear and tear, you might not feel it, Frank, right away, but it catches up to you over time, right? And had Edmonton won last night, they could knock the series off Tuesday. They might've got four days off. It's not just the rest. It's the lack of killer instinct that's more concerning to me than that. It's the, it's the maturity factor. Like I said, you may get away with it, and they likely will against the Kings in this series. But Dallas, Calgary next round, maybe it's even in the conference final. That's how you lose a series. You let a team yeah. back in the series. You let a team back in the game. They're going to take advantage. Well, you look um, so far, every team up two to one, couldn't get it done. Uh, we've got four series at two, Frank. We got uh, really outside of the Colorado Nashville series. Uh, the other ones still could easily all be uh, two, two tonight. So for fun, before I let you go, how many seven gamers are we getting to? By the way, do you not like the wild and blues or what? Oh, sorry. I totally forgot about that series. <laughs> um, we, the, I, uh, got a, I got a tweet the other day from a blues fan chirping. us saying like, what's wrong with you guys? Why do you never talk about the blues? And I'm like, I guess this guy has a point. Yeah, sorry, man. That's true. You know what? Um, the the I'll, I'll give the Blues monumental credit. Look at their defense. You talk about LA's defense. Look at all the injuries oh. for St. Louis defensemen. And, and it's happened in this series. So, like, LA played half the year without Drew Dowd. You kind of got used to him being gone. They've got Scandella, Krug leaves the other. They got a boatload of injuries all over their Bortuzzo. And I give St. Louis a lot. of. I thought when with all those injuries that, you know what, Minnesota kind of controlled game three. I said, oh, geez, the the injuries eventually will catch up to you. And uh, St. Louis basically gave me the proverbial bleep you because they really control game four. And they're right back in it. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly with a really solid game. Um, Man, that's that's kind of a pickup series, too. Oh, Dave Perron, man, the age, that guy gets better as he gets older. I, I'll never forget it. We, before the season started, we had Rachel Dowery on our show, now works for the Vancouver Canucks, such a big fan of Rachel and everything that she does. And we had this little segment. It was like three regression candidates, guys that likely won't be as good this season because of their age or some other factor. And David Perron was one of the guys featured. And I was like, oh yeah, like this guy was a point per game guy last year. There's no way that he gets back to that level this year. He was hurt for a stretch, but he was also the Blues best player for two separate stretches, long runs this year. He was really good. And then he gets to the playoffs, five goals in four games, the hat trick, uh, in game one, going against his former teammate in Marc-Andre Fleury. And he's been a beast, an absolute beast. Oh, man. Like, honestly, it, and, and what I like about David Perron, Frank, is, you know, the, there's so much speed in today's game. And everybody's like, speed, speed, speed. David Perron's not winning uh, the fastest skater award. But he's smart. incredibly he's incredibly smart, and it still shows you that you know what there's different ways to be a successful NHL. You don't all have to be oh my like like obviously he's not a bad skater, but he's not like you know he's not up there um, you know wheeling around guys with speed. He he's excellent from the top of the circles in. He's incredibly smart, and he always finds the opening. And he's a player, Frank, that into his 30s it just seems his intelligence and and understanding of the game has allowed him to get even better it's is he, he'd be a poster boy for a lot of players that say hey you know what there's def- there's different ways to succeed in the nhl it doesn't always have to be speed at the forefront yeah it's uh i think because of those injuries that the wild are still in the driver's seat but i was surprised to see game four play out the way that it did based on the fact that they were all still banged up anyway. Yeah. And hey, Caprice. And Bennington in net, by the way, he had lost nine straight playoff starts. (laughs) 
he gets in. I was surprised that they went to, to Bennington instead of Huso. Nah, see, at the start of the series, I thought all four goalies would play. And uh, now we're up to three. And I, I think because it was two to one, Frank, um, I credit Craig Brewery. He knows his team. Jordan Bennington's a highly competitive guy. And I think he tied the Blues record last night for most playoff wins uh, as a member of the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, and, it, only uh, took him, it only took him 10 tries. Yeah, so yeah, we can argue <laughs> about that. might illustrate the lack of playoff success in St. Louis long time. But still, um, you know, Bennington's a, a highly competitive player. And Holy smokes, we have some news here. What's that? The New York Islanders announced that Barry Trotz has been fired. Wow. Lou Lamorello announcing a bombshell Monday, May 9th, 9.45 a.m. Barry Trotz has been relieved of his duties. Wrap your head around that one. That is really surprising to me, Frank. I know. I had to take a second to process it. I was like, wait, what? Huh? Like... I look at, at the Islanders and look at the construction of that team. Um, he, Barry Trotz didn't trade away Devon Taves for nothing. Basically two second round picks, right? Like a legit top pairing defender, right? Um, look at the Islanders. They're, you talked about regression and David Perron earlier. They, they were the post. They, you could have picked six of their forwards, right? They're, they're all slowly getting older. They're not an overly quick team. Um, I, I guess Lou Lamorello felt like their defensive play wasn't there, but the Islanders defense Defensive wasn't the play wasn't lost. there. It was exactly. fine. Like, no, that's what I'm saying. So I don't, I don't get it. Like he doesn't have a ton of great offensive players. Like other than, unless he thinks that, you know, Matt Barzell is being held back by Barry Trotz. This one's they, a little surprising to me. They also, the last 20 games of the season, they fought like dogs. Yeah. They were awesome. I was at some of their games. Um, I, I, I don't understand it. Barry Trotz signed a five-year deal with the New York Islanders after winning the Stanley Cup in Washington. Had three fantastic years, two trips to the Eastern Conference Final. The fourth year, meh, like we talked about all the issues why. You know, when we broke down the regular season, you know, we had the COVID you know, pause where they were the one team that the NHL really made slog through all of their uh, roster issues with COVID before they finally let up and changed their protocol. We had the 13 game road trip to start the season uh, while their arena was being finished. Like after that, after those two sequences, you know, sort of mid December on the New York Islanders played 600 hockey I, I don't uh, – unless there's just a fundamental difference, unless there's something going on where Barry Trotz wanted to leave, wanted to move on, I, I don't get it letting Barry Trotz, one of the best coaches in the game, go with one year left on his deal. Wow. That's, uh, that is a little surprising to me, but – um, well, Barry Trotz, I'm, uh, he'll, he'll become a free agent now, Frank, and there might be some other teams. Uh, he cashed looking. in last time, five yeah. years, 20 million bucks looking when, in. uh, when he won the Stanley cup with the Washington capitals who didn't pony up to get him. And in fact, I would bet rue the day that they let him go because they haven't won a series since. Nope. Yeah. It's, it's a unique, different perspective on uh, how one team, you know, the right coach with the right group. Definitely could can impact things. And now the search will be on. I'm very curious. Like if Barry Trotz isn't the coach you want, and we'll have to hear what Lou Lamarillo says on what's the reason. And maybe Barry, 
don't know. Did, was Barry, I wonder if he's partly in agreement with it, Frank. You never know, right? Some veteran coaches will say, yeah, you know what? It's been four years and maybe the players have tuned me out and who knows. But um, I'll be very curious to see or hear what the reasoning is uh, behind this move by the New York Islanders because uh, it's, uh, it, it, they're a team where when I look at their, their salary cap, I was like, how are they going to change? Now, I honestly thought they they did uh, they were disappointing, let's be honest, for the first 55, 60 games. But part of that maybe was COVID, Frank, as you talked about, right? But they just didn't get off to a good start. They dug themselves such a deep hole, they couldn't get out of it. And so, but your your point, very astute about how they finished, they weren't a team that gave up. Uh, you know, okay. Clearly, the, the coach, they weren't like tuning them out and everybody looking to the golf course. Like they played hard. They just, it was too big of a gap to overcome. So where do they go from here? Like, I'm this curious is, what style of coach they're going to look at. I don't even care what style of coach. Like, I don't know how you get a better coach. You might be yeah. able to find another coach. I don't know about a better coach. Yeah. Oh, big story, Frank. Uh, we might be going to Long Island on uh, Friday. We'll see how it goes. Uh, have yourself a, an awesome week. And uh, by Friday, uh, we could be talking about a few potential Game 7s. I love the Game 7. And uh, hopefully there'll be a few tighter games, Frank. I love offense, but... Uh, we need some drama. Yeah, we need a little... Like, it's funny. We have series drama, but not a lot of individual game drama, which yeah. is funny. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? 
For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.